Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends beyond the binary, and my patrons, thanks for keeping the show going, patrons. Couldn't do without you. And let's get on with the show. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble, getting to sleep, trouble, staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. We'll do the rest. What I'm going to, to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could sit aside whatever's keeping you awake. You know, if it's things you're thinking about from the past, present, or future, things on your mind, you know, rumination type stuff, uh, hopefully not any runes, uh, that you're translating, you know, no rune, here's, this is the newest rule for the podcast, no runes in bed. Also, I'll try to decipher what that is. Hardy, that was an accidental pun, too. You know what can go in your bed? Accidental puns. I mean, like, uh, that's a great, especially, like, uh, whether you're alone or with somebody. Nothing says fun like an accidental pun. Now available uh, for free. Accidental puns, they're always free. Accidental pun shop everywhere where people are accidentally funny by just being themselves like scoots. Uh, What was I saying, though? Oh, uh, create a safe place where you can set aside whatever you're thinking about. Especially, like, if you're trying to come up with puns on purpose, that takes a lot of work. I think I proposed this as a book title, but The Accidental Punist, uh, if that's not a book title, I just legally reserved it for all, you know, hopefully. The Accidental, I had, this is not a joke, and I already have gone way off topic early, but the other day I was, like, writing out ideas for the podcast, and I thought of a, idea for the accidental tourist too. And I don't think it was the accidental punist. It was something else. Uh, and I don't know if I actually, I don't know if I wrote it down or I said, Hmm. And then I said, probably not scoots. You didn't write accidental tourist. So, and I said, you're right. Moving on. Okay. So stuff you're thinking about stuff, you're feeling uh, emotion, like it could be emotions coming up, uh, related to your thoughts or just in general, you know, we just have feelings, uh, or physical sensations that, that could, you know, any of those things, anything else that could be affecting your sleep in the present, past, or future, whatever it is I'd like to take your mind off of it. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to be here uh, for over an hour. And if you need me, back-to-back episodes all night long. And I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones, pointless meanders. I think you just glimpsed two or three pointless meanders really early in the show. So if you're new, you're, you were in for your, depending on your definition of a treat, which would probably be a wide definition in this case. Except, you know, in some countries they say it's a treat, you know, that, like it means different things. Oh, no, my, my translation brain said it means kind of the same thing. Okay, well, it works a treat. That's what some people say in the UK about this podcast. My brain, my critical brain's disagreeing with me, even though it's a fact. Okay, but I understand that I went off topic. Or, okay, what was I saying? Oh, uh, send my voice across the TV. Oh, look, pointless meanders. That was weird. I said pointless meanders, then I went on a pointless meander. Superfluous tangents. A whole lot of other stuff. What I'm going to really do is keep you company 
as you drift off into sleep, take your mind off of stuff. And as you drift into the arms of Morpheus, uh, maybe sometimes also I'll use words in, you know, more than one, the same context, more than one time or slightly different contexts. If you're new, I'm glad you're here. A couple of things to get you. This podcast is a little bit different or a lot bit different, uh, even than other sleep solutions, because this is more of like a friendly banter where I'm here to keep you company and take your mind off stuff. I think I covered that. Uh, so structurally, what to expect. Show starts off with a few minutes of business. Thanks for listening to that. That's how we keep the show free. Uh, then there's an intro, which we're in. The intro kind of doesn't make a lot of sense, and it's hard to make sense of. Uh, but it, for a lot of listeners, it's a wind down. For a small percentage of listeners, they skip it. And then for a small percentage of listeners, they fall asleep during it. And then another percentage of listeners listen during the day. Uh, to, to calm down, but, but but the intro is like about twelve minutes of me, I guess, rambling, just like I am now, it, it, like where I'm trying to. I think this is oblique, like I'm also accidentally oblique. They'd say, "What? What, were, what are the opening lines of uh, the accidental punist uh, scoots?" Uh, something, something, accidentally oblique. I don't have, those are two of the opening words, but not the most opening words. They're part of the opening sentence. Uh, because when I try when I'm doing the intro, I try to explain what the podcast is right up front, like I am now, but then I just naturally go off topic and that's what puts people to sleep or helps you wind down. So the intro is a show with, it's a part of the podcast. Uh, it's, it's an intro. It's just a long and meandering but it is full of, con- it's chock full of, con- it's chock full of meanders. The accidental meanderist, that's, that's what would be my, bio- one of my many autobiographies. Uh, maybe somebody else could write that. You're right. Uh, well, maybe one of the imaginary beings within my brain who could get to work and actually do something. Hint, hint, hint. No, you, you're just, okay. And now you're pulling a Waldler and Stad- Staddorf for whatever their names are. Stadler and Wardorf. What if Worf hung out with Stadler and Waldorf? Those are the critics on uh, the Muppet Show. I think it could go either way. Like Worf could sit with them and get along and be laughing, or it could be, uh, you know, they could, you know, meet the wrong side of a Klingon. That's also that was actually like a that was a tingler I wrote the wrong side of the the wrong side of a Klingon. Okay, enough about me. So uh, that's the intro of the show, I guess was I was saying. Then there'll be a little business between the intro and the story. Then tonight will be our episodically modular series, uh, uh, Big Farm in the P.I., Big Farm in the P.I., Big Farm in the Sky, P.I., Season 2, the Phantom Minnow Season. Yeah, then we have some thank yous and good nights at the end. If you ever want to skip the ads and the thank yous and stuff, you just become a $5 patron. Uh, so that's the structure of the show. Uh, if, if uh, then a couple of rules around the show, including that new rule uh, that we just came up with. But the first, you don't need to listen to this podcast. You can just kind of barely pay attention, or you can listen. There's a lot of people that listen. Uh, I mean, like like collectively, but percentage wise, yeah, most people fall asleep. But I'm here to the end to keep you company. Because there is no pressure to fall asleep. I'm here 
you could run episode after episode. If you can't sleep, I'll be here to really to uh, barely entertain you. But to be here, I, you know, I got a whole story coming up about uh, pop-up shops in a retirement community. Oh, boy. Talk about action. It'll be kind of, uh, won't be action-packed. Like I said, whatever other joke I made about the chock full of meander-packed. That'll be like the commitment. If I become, if we ever like form a like a a group, uh, you'll have to sign the Meander Pact. You, well, I've joined Scoots's uh, Scoots's club where everybody goes out and tells bedtime stories and helps one another, treats people with dignity, respect, and kindness. Had to sign the Meander Pact. What's the Meander Pact? Well, let me tell you about it. Actually, have a seat. Uh, First off, before we get to the Meander Pack, did you know the Sleeping Podcast, there's no pressure to fall asleep and no pressure to listen. He's there around an hour. Well, I thought you were going to tell me about the Meander Pack. Oh, yeah. Also, another thing I was thinking of was uh, Scooch's famous rule that he came up with in 20, 2019 uh, that uh, no runes in bed. Of course, Scoots always was someone that mixed up R-U-N-E-S's and R-U-I-N-S's. And even when he said it, it always kind of ran together. But we all knew what he meant, kind of. You know, that you shouldn't, you know, keep take that Rosetta Stone, put it in the freaking other room. Like, we don't need it in the bedroom. You know, no rune-covered sarcophagi or tablets or even, you know... You say, who gave you a rune color? You say, well, my dear, this is a, this pillow is rune-covered. I have a rune-based pillowcase. Okay, sorry, I don't want any runes in my bedroom, period. A pillowcase, even bedding-based runes or rune-based bedding. It hasn't been deciphered. I'll be thinking about, you know, just keep the runes in other ro- You know, why don't you keep it in that room we use for the, all that stuff, uh, the solarium? No, no, that's room for the plants. Uh, the observatory? No, that's room for the telescopes. It's the other one, like that has those in there. Oh, the room with the, oh the other all the other stuff in there, right? All the other rune the rune rune out runarium. Oh, I thought that was the room where the room where Scoots pretended he was a, any of the famous runies. Well, that too. That's why it's called the Runarium. It's for runes and rune. You know, yeah, that's the same room. Okay, I'll take all my runes out and put them in there. Okay, great. And then you can come back to bed after that. But yeah, I'm sorry. I don't have a lot of rules here. You know, no listening needed. No need to pay attention. No pressure to fall asleep. And, you know, keep, keep runes. And other things, like we said, those compasses or whatever the heck you had when you were in uh, middle school, even protractors. Sorry, I don't know what a protractor and a compass have to do with runes. Oh, no, I'm just on the middle of a tangent uh, because I signed the Meander Pact. I was just trying to, oh, sorry, I was just trying to tell you what a Meander Pact was. Are you sure it was a Meander Pact or in the middle of that Meander? Did you forget what it was? I got to go. Scooch, I'm going to turn it back over. Thanks. That was great. Uh, Meander, by the way. Classic. Uh, Also, you're right. No runes in bed. And I can hear the few people in the world that have rune-based professions. And I'd say it's bedtime. You know, time to take a breaky poo. You say, well, no, I'm an amateur runist. And I'd say, 
Okay, I'll make an exception for you if I could come observe you doing your amateur runing. And uh, are you writing runes or are you reading runes? Someone just in my brain is an act. They said I'm sculpting runes, and I'd say, "That's awesome." But you know, do your sculpting as part of your wind down. You probably shouldn't be sculpting in bed. Well, okay, I'm not one to. You know, I'm not one to. You're right. You may be able to sculpt in bed. Maybe just sculpt in your room. You really sculpt runes, eh? I think if I was a hip hopper, I would work that into one of my. You know, I sculpt rhymes like I sculpt runes, and I really do. And when I do, you know, the the, the something something swoons uh, when I'm sculpting runes. That was from my uh, that was a B side uh, sculpting runes. It was called. And then in parentheses I put ruins uh, because it was like part of my you know it was one of my ones uh, for when I was doing like a, like. A, for, you know, freestyle stuff. Also, that was all imaginary. Anyway, I got to get back to you here. So if you're new, whew, that was, this is a pretty good intro because uh, this is what the rest of the show is going to be like, just more story-based, uh, teetering on thousands of meanders. Uh, but really, it's a friendly show to take your mind off of stuff uh, and to keep you company either while you fall asleep or while you're in bed, you know, if you can't sleep. I'm your boar friend, I'm your boar bay, I'm your boar cuz, I'm your boar sib. Your boar bestie, if I could apply to be that. Uh, if we're in the San Diego region, your boar bruh. I'm here to help. Uh, that's the main thing, because I've been there. Now, if you're listening, give it a few tries. I mean, there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast, and almost all of them say, hey, it took two or three tries before it worked for me or before I realized that there's no figuring this thing out. Because when he sculpted runes, it more looks like someone just made a oblong clay, clay, it's not a ball, but, so that's what his runes look like. He's the one that ruined runes for me. I was an amateur runist until I heard his tangents about runes, and then it was ruined. Uh, I do delight in words, by the way. Sorry, not runes, uh, but words I do. Is any restaurants based? Runes restaurant. Yeah, you're right. It won't work. It's, it's an easy one. Restaurant rune. Yeah, you wouldn't want to eat there. You'll, you'll say, that's the last place I ate. Uh, what makes me laugh? I don't know. Uh, so I'm glad you're here. I hope you can pick that up in the tone of my voice. I'd really like to help. If the podcast, you gave it two or three tries and it doesn't work for you or you're listening right now and you're like, uh, you're using other words about ruin or ruin about me, it's okay. Not, it's not for everybody. Check out sleepwithmepodcast.com slash no thank you for some other options. But I really do hope this podcast helps uh, that it can take uh, some of the seriousness out of bedtime, bring you some levity. Oh, uh, some part of my brain just said I'm sculpting a levity-based rune, and it's a terrific, uh, put in the runarium. And uh, so I'm glad you're here. I really work hard. I strive and I yearn to help you fall asleep, and uh, thanks so much for coming by. Here's a couple of ways we keep the show going. Uh, Hey, everybody, welcome to our ongoing episodically modular series, uh, Big Farm in the Sky P.I., uh, season two, the Phantom Minnow season. 
if you're new, what I mean by episodically modular is this is a series that you can listen to in any order. I'll give you all the information right now so you have it. So you could just cuddle in. And if you're a completist, you can kind of complete them in any order. I think the first two episodes of the season were a two-parter. Uh, but even those, there's enough set up at the beginning. You could, like, you say, well, I've listened to a prequel. Like, I listened to the episode two, and then I listened to the prequel. So, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, welcome to Big Farm in the Sky, P.I. I'm Scoots. I'm not a part of the story, but the three characters that are are Simon, D.K., and G. Simon is an uncle of G and kind of a was uncle of D.K., indirectly and simon is a post-earthly resident simon was earthly resident uh, simon was once an earthbound human just like us uh i'm presuming if any non-earthbound you know you say well i'm from actually uh, pluto pluto z and it's a hold on is that a is there another solar system where people actually respect pluto enough could we call it zudo Great idea. Well, I just renamed a planet of new podcast fans. Though Pluto, the podcast planet, this sounds pretty good, too. Okay, but um, so where was... Oh, so Simon once lived on Earth as a human. Then Simon's life transitioned to the big farm life. And some of you may have had pets where you say, where did Sandy go? Well, Sandy, you know, now lives in the big farm in the sky. Sometimes parents just say, well, we drop Sandy off at a farm. Sandy's like Lassie, by the way, not a, like a, yeah, so so we drop Sandy off at a, Sandy lives at the farm now. And then as you got old, I said, well, it's really the big farm in the sky. So Simon lives there. And again, I don't know how you qualify for what post-earthly lives. I got no, no info on that. I just know that Simon transitioned from Earth to the big farm. Yeah, the big farm seems to be not uh, all good or all bad, like heaven or heck, uh, but also not all neutral, like those limbo and all those things. So, so not like lost either. I mean, not that there's that's not a knock on it or anything. It just seems to be like another realm of existence, actually. I mean, there's a lot of perks, including for Simon... Now, not all post-earthly residents can tra- tra- uh, travel or transverse between Earth and the big farm. Most are just at the big farm. You know, they say you cashed your check uh, to the big farm. Now you live in the big farm. Can't send letters back. Can't go, you know, you can't go back. But, you know, as those of us that live in the earthly realms know, people talk about big farm visitors and for a certain minuscule mathematical percentage of big farm residents, they can come back to Earth. And some can even interact and appear in, like uh, Simon can, full appearance, full discussion, full interaction. We call it, you know, C-A-S-P-E-R-ing. Like, uh, I think it makes sense, right? So Simon is in the big farm. Let's say there's 4 billion uh, post-earthly residents in the big the big farm. Out of those 4 billion, maybe there's like 42 uh, uh, beings or post-earthly beings that can transition back to Earth. Probably more than that, but just for the sake of mathematical efficiency. Uh, so it's a pretty low percentage. I don't know what it is. Maybe like uh, it's like 42 in, in 4 billion or whatever, or whatever number I said. So, uh, Simon, it's pretty rare. 
That's otherwise you'd say, well, I see, I see post-earthly residents all the time. Mostly say, I heard, I think. Now, G and DK, they are earthly residents. They're tweens. They're best friends. They know and interact and love Uncle Simon. And in season one, they were helping Simon solve cases in the big farm in the sky. Simon was the big farm in the sky, P.I., in season two, G and DK, they took a sabbatical from school, a working sabbatical, self-directed ed- education, I think is what they call it. And they told their school, we're going to go live with DK's Aunt Penny in the towns, which is the largest uh, retirement community in the U.S. And we're going to start our own PI business uh, or you know, problem-solving business. And, you know, we'll learn by doing. And this school was forward-thinking enough. They said, okay, well, as long as we can still count your attendance so we could qualify. And they said, oh, no problem. We'll log our attendance. And they said, fine, then, whatever you do. Like, as long as you take these tests at the end of the year, too, you could do it. And so they said, job done. Uh, Bureaucracy navigated. And they headed off to Florida to live with Penny's Aunt Penny. And since then, we're like eight cases in, I think, that happen in any particular order. But, uh, if they've been here in the in the towns with Uncle Simon cracking cases and then frying them up or whatever, you know, I guess you, do, you want, like, uh, you know, putting them back together, whatever you do after you crack the case, uh, so that's the season, is uh, two tweens, just just like the other great kid detectives, uh, really, G and DK. And since I, I don't know if I've ever read any, tw- you know, most of my uh, kid detectives that I read were under a tween age. They were uh, single-digit age kids, maybe some were 10 or 11, but I don't consider that a tween. I guess maybe it is, though. So, sorry. I don't Encyclopedia Brown, honestly, I got no idea how old you are. Because, you you know, you're so brilliant. You know, Big Nate, uh, you're, you know, I'd peg you at nine, though, probably, both of you. So, like, I don't know. Is Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, were they tweens? I don't know. I mean, it's an honest question. I, I don't know the answer to that. Also, I've never read any, any, any of those books. So, looked at the covers before. Okay, where were we introducing the show? So basically, yeah, that's it, I guess. Uh, I'm glad you're here. Also, we have a Hollywood, uh, a wonderful and beautiful actor to introduce the episode, Mr. Antonio Banderas. As my friend, the ladies and gentlemen, the boys and girls, friends beyond the binary, it's time to crack this case. Big Farm in the Sky P.I. Yeah. Thanks, Antonio. And again, like if you want to lie down, I know we haven't done it in a little while, but you know, with this new setup, you know, my bed is right there. You know, my friend, I'm I'm beginning to enjoy listening to your podcast to sleep. Yeah, I mean, I can see why it both works and people it takes two or three tries because uh, it's different. Yeah, you were getting some love on Reddit. I don't think I checked in there, but people were at. Oh, my friend, uh, thank you. So anyway, that's Antonio Banderas. He's going to take a nap in bed close by to me and just lie there and sleep, like, silently, of course, not moving moving any creaky elbows or rustling blankets at all. Oh, no, no, I'm just going to lie there.
And then we'll play uh, Munchkin later, right? Uh, yes. All right, uh, this big farm in the sky, P.I. Thanks, everybody. Uh, hey, Diane, it's uh, me, Simon, here. And uh, we got into, we, uh, Diane, oh boy, do we have a, I guess this is a, it's a mystery, Diane. But it's a job. It's a, So it's a paid mystery investigation. You know, we, we, we did drive, we, we did drive uh, in a golf cart and they called it a mystery machine, G and DK. Uh, but this is like, uh, you, you, Diane, if you ever heard of a couple of things, we'll have to get some uh, vocabulary. There's party crashers, right? Who are people that show up at parties without uh, being invited. We're not, cra- our case is not crashing parties, but we're here. Uh, I don't know if we're a party predictor or a party finder, Diane. Uh, so maybe it'll take some other explaining. Now, there's this thing called pop-ups that came, that popped up this term in the last uh, 10 years, uh, uh, maybe 12 years. And pop-ups, uh, now there's, there was pop-up tents originally. This is not that. And I think it's become a mature thing that's no longer the case of what it once was. But originally, I believe, uh, and in this case here, a pop-up is a temporary a thing like uh, originally it would be a pop-up restaurant or a pop-up shop uh, i think now they're used a little bit more for idea testing where back when they first were it was more of experiment testing or just having fun and that seems to be the case in this case we're in in the in the middle of the case you know working uh g and dk are also listening to me as i recap it uh, but so you would have like, uh, let's say you knitted caps and other things, or you had a knitting collective. And especially if you live in a city, Diane, it works best. Uh, you say, oh, that building's been vacant for a while. Let me see who owns it or leases it. Let me see if I could, especially over the holidays, maybe. Oh, it's still vacant. Let me see if I could lease that for four weekends leading up to the holidays. And we could pop up there and make it sell our wares and, you you know, pay the people that own the building or at least the building would have a little bit of income, but you would negotiate something reasonable because you're not a long-term tenant and, you know, the building is vacant and then you don't have to do... Now, the newer ones, they're really well-designed and stuff, but, you know, you could do DIY. Uh, so, oh, there's a the top chef, I, I realize, G&DK, I sometimes watch that with them. They're, they do that with restaurant, W-A-R-S's. Uh, those are pop-up restaurants, and that would be another thing. Or pop-up bakery, like our friends Zach and Becca, kind of, in some sense. Uh, so a temporary place in a temporary location it's become more hyped than that, and I don't know what post, you know, postmodern pop-up will be. But eventually, you know, after something starts ten or twelve years, it makes its way to the towns and becomes a thing. And there has been some pop-ups here, uh, but not as you know, not as ubiquitous as, as, as in greater urban areas, especially the cities, you know. But this one party, Diane, it's a pop-up party. And uh, very similar to pop-up shops. Uh, oh, I also note right uh, that uh, the pop-up shops that have been here haven't really worked. Uh, 
So people did try it around the holidays and some other things. Uh, uh, you know, other there's a famous one for, for the October 31st. I don't know if that's exactly a pop-up shop, but it's similar. It just pops, it pops up. It pop, does pop up, I guess. But for the towns, people really would prefer something to have more experience with, to have a longer-term relationship with, to have history. So they wouldn't. They say, "Well, where do I return this?" You know, that that was the thing. Or what if this is? So it's just like it, it was a divergent experience as far as purchasing uh, items or eating at a restaurant, like the the history and the trust. Uh, but this this one's a party. It's different. It's a party. And that's where we're pursuing a pop-up party, Diane. Uh, G and DK, they're trying to get me, they say, get to the point. I say, okay, what was our point? Oh, okay, yeah, and this helps them break the case, really. So there's a party that pops up every once in a while, about once a month, uh, someplace in the towns, usually a vacant location uh, or an original location, Though it has been, you know, some places that usually, like, so if someone rents it out for a party normally, it won't be there. Unless there's something non-normal going on. So, like, a bowling alley, people rent that out for birthday parties all the time. They wouldn't have the party there unless a bowling alley had closed down. They did do that, but it was so, yeah, and I think it was going to be closed down permanently, so then they had to... Bowl wherever you want, or like I don't know. I don't know all the details of the party themes. Yeah, they had one in a water tower. Again, like there's a lot of clubhouses here that you could have parties at, or pool pool parties, or pool side parties, or tennis parties. The, the pop-up party isn't at any of those. But yeah, like if a restaurant's closed, very similar pop-up shop. It'll pop up in a re- original location. And I think that's one part of the appeal. Uh, oh, roofs, roof gardens. Uh, gar- oh, gardens, because those are a little bit more. Anyway, Dan, I think you get the idea. Here's a couple other things you might be wondering about. These parties are free. That answers that question. And they're in very high demand. Uh, people do like the food at the parties, we have heard. Uh, and But the parties are hard to get into. They're not... They're exclusive, but in, a, in an interesting way. So it's a regular party, just to go over that day. And it, it pops up somewhere, has food, it has drinks, it has music sometimes, it have a theme sometimes, sometimes it won't. Uh, the only rule is positive attitude. We, like uh, So they don't like uh, party poopers or people that have partied too much. Uh, so, But there's three levels of attendance at these parties, which is where it's free and it's exclusive, but not excluding totally. And this is where the secretiveness of it comes in, Diane. So there's the people who play in the party, which we could only assume are at the party, but we'll dig into that. Then there's members who have been invited to the party, uh, which is a second layer. Uh, so there's the party planners or, or the club that's planning the party, we, we suspect. Uh, then there's invited guests, and apparently you can only get invited once a year uh, because of everything we've been able to look into. And they get a save. If you get invited, you get a save the date. Uh, it says this is the date 
this is the time. It usually is like a general time. And then the day of the party, they find out the location. Most of the time they get picked up. Everything is based on if you're going to be vibing at the party, you have to have ride. Again, again, it also goes into the exclusivity. So if you like, you're getting a ride if you're an invited guest. But no one knows who invited you. But people get to the party, they know people. So they say, "Oh, did you invite me?" And then they say, "Oh no!" Like so, usually everybody pretends they're an invited guest. So no one knows who planned the party either. And there is a role-playing going on here, Diane, that we can't deny, which is like everybody's having fun with this. So it is and there's no stakes in some sense. So it's hard to tell who's telling the truth of being an invited guest or being a party planner. And they're very tight-lipped because no one wants to lose their party privilege, especially to become the third level of guest to Diane let me just go over my notes. They don't know who invited them. They get uh, they get in. Oh, they have the inv- invitation to get their ride and to get into the party, but there's also on a list. Yeah, but then there's also, so they find out where the party is right before, even though they're getting a ride, they find out the location right before. And that triggers a third level of uninvited guests, uh, which can all anyone can get into this party. You just have to wait in line, Diane. And those are day of guests. So when the people get the invite, they're quickly telling their friends and calling people, oh, this is where the party is. And so people quickly line up and uh, you have to wait in line. There are now these are hired employees like watching the line. So they have rules around the line that go along with the rules of the party. Be kind. Uh, So there is unfortunately... Like, uh, no saving spots in line. Now, if someone's parking a cart or is going to have a wristband that says that they're they're in charge of getting everybody else home, those are the only ways you're allowed to get up in line to join someone. And then the people in line, they get led into the party in groups uh, and then led out of the party in groups uh, with just enough time to enjoy themselves. So small groups are led in. And they go in and enjoy the party, but then, you know, they have like an identifier, like a wristband or like a necklace or lay or a certain hat or a certain smock, depending on the theme of the party. So they have to leave. Uh, you get in, and you, ha- you, but you but then you have to go. And then the party either is set to run a certain amount of time or it goes until the food runs out, which I think normally it always goes till the food runs out. So that's one of the hard parts is not everybody in line always gets in, uh, which can be a source of frustration. Uh, but people are usually like kind of having a little party in line. So people have a positive thing, but you feel like, oh, no, I didn't get in. I didn't get in line in time. So the spots in line are very sought after as well as finding out this, uh, whatever it is, daisy chain of where and when the party is. So it, it is, but it's all layers of fun because, it, you know, once the dates are out, everybody's waiting that wants to go to the party or trying to stay connected. So it's really more of a fun thing. And, of course, it's sought after. No one knows how to get invited. So if you get invited, that's like a, a kind of status thing. 
Yeah, but you're also like, for that party, you have kind of privileged information. So it's it just like a fun thing to do. Very, uh, even though this is a retirement community, it's very like uh, school age fun, I would say. Uh, but we've been hired for the first time, and this makes sense for a client to either get them an invitation, which I'd say you you got a better chance of getting a golden ticket into Willy Wonka's place, or getting a little bit of advance information for when the next parties are. And again, I think we are hired in a fun sense because uh, they said, "Okay, well we'll try." Yeah. So how's that sound, G and DK? Okay, so where are we starting with? So we're just cracking the case here. Okay, G, G, go ahead, D, DK. Who, what, where, when, why? And then do interviews. Okay, so, okay. Okay, so what are our who questions, uh, G? Okay, who has the party? Who gets the invite? Who knows and plans things? Who event other people involved? Okay. Okay, what about the what? What do we got? Okay, what is the party? What is the purpose of the party? What is it just, is it just a party? That's a good question. Or is it something more? Okay, I'm going to underline that. Uh, what, where? Okay, wh- where have the parties been? Are there any patterns? That's a good question. Oh, where do they get their supplies from? Probably Costco, but who, oh, can't assume. You're right. Oh, boy, are you right? Okay, those are good questions. When, so looking for patterns, and again, and where and when. When are the patterns of the dates or the times? Well, yeah, it seems like the time is pretty much always uh, the time. Well, okay, we'll cover that. Okay, you're right. I kind of want to do seams. Okay, why? Okay, why other than the obvious why? Fun and, okay, but why not just like invite only or line only or, just have a par- party, right? Those are good whys. Yeah, why not just a par- private party? Okay, let's go do, let's start interviewing people. Okay. Well, hey, Diane, we're back. Uh, so we interviewed a bunch of people and we've been doing, we've been stretching this out, this case out, Diane. So, that, you know, we've been working on other things too because uh, we don't know much. The interviews did not help. Again, it's like a lot of conflicting information. It's hard to tell. Everybody is happy to talk about it. Uh, but it's, you know, when someone's telling you a mistruth out of joy and fun, it's really hard to nail down if they're, it's confusing. Yeah. So we don't have a lot of useful information. What we don't know, right? You're right. Thank you, G. Thank you, G and DK. We don't know who runs the party. We don't know even know if it's a club or not. Uh, we don't have a uh, very clear uh, mission of the party. Uh, okay, we do know that the party has a lot of cheese and crackers, so those are like some of the primary foods. There are uh, cheese and meat alternatives there, so it is an open party. And, not, you know, every, like meets a lot of di- dietary things, uh, but it does tend to be more snack uh, foods. We know the music and the drinks are good, uh, but nothing, um, everything is good. But it, most people, it, it is like uh, more driven by the experience than the, than it's top shelf or anything. And again, uh, people are excited to be there. They're, like they do stress this positive attitude. 
there is this like role play going into it. And there is this anticipation. There were people that were disappointed because their anticipation was uh, expecting something different. But because most of the people here in the towns have been, if they've tried to go to the party, they've probably got in at least once. Or they say, well, I don't do that. Like, I, like they, 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 like, uh, they don't say they don't go. They, they, that's not their thing. Okay, where we kind of covered the where, like, it's temporary spaces, unique, uh, not places you'd normally rent. All the stuff I kind of talked about. Uh, oh, they use a trolley system. Also, they have instead of um. Like lift here, they have tuber for like the town's version of that, uh, uh, which is like because they, they, you know, it's a private company that owns this whole thing, and you know they like to make their you know markups and everything, but you could get a tuber in a um, golf cart or a car, so it's like a lift. Oh, the other unique thing about this tuber, this was the first time we were experiencing it. Uh, so they have the trolley system which is part of the tu- the tuber trolley. It used to just be the trolley system. That's one way. It's kind of like a bus. Yeah, but you could privately rent them or, you know, tuber it now. Or, but all of the tubers, like a car or a golf cart, they have a chaperone, which makes sense here. You say, well, no, no, no. Like, and then it gives more people the conversation. They say, well, there's one person to drive, and then there's one person to navigate. And then there's one person to make sure you don't leave anything in the car. That's the passenger in the front seat who's like the tuber. It also stands for two in towns. We also have a tuber case that we're working on. Um, we we even put a map up here, and we don't see any patterns of the wear. Like it doesn't make a clear sign or clear. It just seems to be vacant, you know. Uh, when, so all our interviews kind of led to this when it's always a late lunch, early dinner time. And, and again, this sounds like a, like a trope, but it's true. And it makes sense that a lot of people here in the towns, they eat twice a day. They eat like a brunch, late, late breakfast, early lunch, and then a, a late lunch, early dinner. So I always thought that the idea of the early bird was, a a way for restaurants to, to get business in. Well, it's like which cracked first, the early bird or the early, you know, the bird or the early. But a lot of people eat at that time. So I don't know if it drive if demand drives the early bird dinners or early bird dinners drives people eating between like 2 and 5 p.m. for You know, maybe they have a snack later. But that's when the party is, which also makes sense. Like I think... Uh, it would be great to go to a party and it's over by four. Then you could say, well, I mean, maybe even earlier. Then you take three o'clock, you go home, take a nap, and then you can uh, have an evening or just go home and then unwind for another hour and go to bed at six, six seven o'clock. So usually it starts like the lot people start, uh, the invites generally, uh, people start to realize things around 2 p.m. is the hot time of day. But that doesn't really help us at all. Okay, the how. It's really well planned, Diane. And uh, it's not super expensive, as we said. Uh, but the food uh, is kind of the key, uh, you know, one of the key pieces. Uh, 
I don't know, G and DK, like, uh, they have the, pop, like, just like the original pop-up shops, uh, they clearly make it, because what are they spending money on? That's what we're trying to do with the how. So the drinks, but the drinks are generally not high-end. The food is generally, we don't have, we don't know what the food is. We just have these general, oh, cheesy, some little meat, you know, these, oh, so good. Oh, the spread, as people would say. Okay, so also the how of getting an invite, uh, we don't know that. We just don't know. And we kind of went through what happens when you get the invite. Uh, uh, the why is like the, uh, this is a, a bit of a paradox. It's fun, but the biggest paradox is the whole why and how of the semi-exclusivity. I mean, we wrote down some ideas, crowd control, affordability for the food, uh, those are the only real, when we've tried to get down other than fun, like why is it, uh, limited in this way? So we're stuck, uh, unless we get, one of us gets an invite, uh, this could be a long-term case, but it's no pressure case. You know, we're waiting for when the next party is and, uh, we're just going to work other cases. We, we have another health, we have a healthy outlook on it now. Like we don't have to solve one case at a time. Uh, we're working other cases. Uh, wait, what's that? It just gave you to an idea. What's the idea? To catch a planty party plan, planty parter, party planner. Thanks, G. Plan a party, pop up to pop to catch a pop up party planner. Plan a pop up party. Oh wow! But we could do that over the long term. So Diane, I guess we got our next move. So I'll be back uh, when I find out more. Okay, hey Diane, it's me. So a little time has gone by since I last checked in with you, but we've been working this case and we've been trying to learn how to have pop up parties, which has kind of been fun. I mean, more for G and D K, and I think it's helping G and D K, like in this self derived education system. So the pop-up party planning business is not easy. It's a tough business to be in, especially since it's not a business. Uh, so we started small with just like parties at Aunt Penny's house. Uh, those weren't really pop-up parties. They were just parties. And then we had a couple, they had a cookie party. They had a pizza party, like make your own pizza party. They had to bring your own dessert party. And, uh, they were just, I don't know, G and DK were just kind of watching things and kind of making note of everything that went into it. And then they said, this is a lot of work, you know, with the in, and they said, the in, like, uh, so they said, maybe that's part of it. It's like this, uh, in, it generates its own interest, but again, it doesn't, at, to what purpose other than fun. We also did what was really fun was like pop up on the golf course refreshment parties where we would just show up on one of the holes of the many golf courses. The town has like 45 golf courses, uh, nine, you know, all kinds. Uh, I don't know if I told you that, Diane. I don't, none of us golf though. But this was fun for the most part. Some people are grouches, but we would pop up on a hole. Got permission, Aunt Penny took care of that. Because uh, we said it was like, uh, they have refreshment. But anyway, we pop up with lemonade, refreshments. We tried, uh, well, this game thing's called water ice or snow ice, snow cones. That's what it is, Diane. And we gave those to golfers. Uh, 
Then over time, we moved on to uh, pop-up dance parties. Those didn't really hit. We worked with a magician. We did a ma- pop-up magic show, pop-up book readings, pop-up b- b- book book loans, uh, and none of it really took off. Uh, we, none of us, uh, like other than the people we invited that we knew, were the people that said, "What are you doing?" Yeah, we didn't couldn't get the word of mouth thing. Uh, then we started to said, well, what about the food? Let's go back to our first thing. But we quickly realized that between the two, two, two of them, Aunt Penny and me, which I'm not very useful in this, some of this stuff, uh, the food's not sustainable. We don't have a food budget. A thing like lemonade or even the, the snow cones is, is something we could make work. But to have these parties, even in not in a big party, you know, other than it's either time or money investment, Diane. So any attention we got wasn't sustainable, uh, you, you know, because you say, well, the cheese is gone now. The party's over. So we tried to go back to the, like, drawing board. And we say, okay, food or drink is causing us trouble. What else is driving the parties? Uh, maybe it's someone that can afford to, to do this. Uh, maybe they're pooling their money. I mean, G and DK even did it. Uh, and then we said, well, what if we had a food budget? Uh, so then we started planning imaginary bigger parties. Uh, that's what G and DK are working on right now while I'm talking. Uh, but then since we've had time, as they've been doing that, we've kind of percolated. And we also, it turns out you have to be an adult to go, like you have to be a resident to go to the party. So there were two parties, but and it's just, a, I mean, that's just the rules here. So uh, G and DK couldn't go. We did get in line. I did go into the parties, uh, but I, I don't know. I didn't really, like, it, I think I just kind of described it. Uh, uh, so we have had two parties that we weren't able to predict, which our clients said, well, you're learning, okay. So then we tried to go back. Right now, we've been looking at this idea of, like, uh, they call it v- viral now or popular. They used to call it a fad. So right now, I said, what about, uh, w- like, well, this, like, what if we have fad? Wait a second. What if we have fad parties, uh, G and DK? Okay, what's a fad? It's the same thing. Okay, so, like, fads from my time, uh, Fisher Price, uh, Little People, that was a toy. Magic Eight Ball, Slinky, Matchbox Cars. You've heard of the, some of those, okay? Oh, maybe moving towards your age, like a Viewmaster. Remember? Oh, that's been in a movie. Silly Putty, Weebles, Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. No, you don't remember that. Rubik's Cube, you've heard of though, right? The puzzle thing. Atari or Nintendo or Sega. Yeah, okay, you've heard, heard of that. Uh, cabbage Patch Kids, Garbage Pal Kids, uh, uh, Furby. Have you heard of Furby? No, that was before you two, too. What about you, High School Musical? That was a fad, right? And Tamagotchi, Tamaguchi, was that before? Oh, wait, Zuzu, Zuzu Pets. What about that? Okay, you've heard of that. Yeah, and then that Rainbow, Rainbow Loom, exactly. Could we do... Okay, Diane, we'll be back. Okay, Diane, we're back. We had a few fad parties. Uh, 
and uh, it was a lot of work too. The first week, like, uh, the good thing was once I started showing G and DK pictures of things, they realized, you know, because part of their business is helping people clean out their garage. So we had a few test ones, but then G and DK had these giant garbage bags full of pogs, which was a thing, P-O-G-S, Diane, in the 90s. I think it was a, it was a game, but it was collectible cardboard discs, uh, most of it was like very similar to the um, things you put on the back of your phone at this period in the history, Diane, but just a round part. And yeah, whatever those are called, smoogers or whatever. And so uh, the Pog Party was a hit. Uh, and it actually like cracked. So the Pogs, we had all these bags of Pogs. So we had a Pog sorting party. Where if you helped, you could keep uh, thirty pogs of any kind. Like uh, go in, not that many people showed up. But the people that should show up, they were into pogs. Holy cow! And they said, well, "Could we invite more people?" Uh, and then we had one guest at the second party. It, this was when we built up to thirty. At first, we said five because uh, he said, "Well, you know, these night rider pogs are very." Uh, very sought after by Pog lovers and David Hasselhoff lovers. And I said, well, I'd like, I don't know. Uh, but so Hillary came and Hillary was asking a lot of questions uh, during this Pog party. And we did have lemonade and, you know, things we baked, uh, but not a large scale party. Uh, G and DK said, I'm not doing a good job of describing. So Pog is like a round paper coin, Diane with a picture on one side and then usually a logo or not, you know, a pattern on the other side in the picture could be anything from marketing a product or something famous to a drawing, a lot of licensed stuff. So a lot of versions of toys. So just interesting things to look at that kids might want to collect uh, like Mario or something or Zelda and link. Thank you. Thank you. So where was I Diane? So, the Pogs, okay, so Hillary was there, and uh, Hillary just seemed very enthusiastic and very interested. And then we, like a friend, I guess, uh, but a really curious, inquisitive friend. And as we were talking to Hillary, and Hillary's asking, well, she said, oh, so you've had other fad parties. I heard, I kind of heard about those. Uh, oh, so you make all the food, uh, it's like, uh, what would you do if more people showed up? Uh, and they said, well, we probably have to give out less pogs, maybe not have any food or drink. And Hillary's like, then those people would show up, huh? And we said, yeah, yeah, we just can't figure, I mean, we figured out that uh, some people would come if they could keep the pogs, but it's kind of like work and it's less of a party, though we did all play pogs. Uh, there's a game where you flick the pogs and you get a bit like marbles, Diane. I don't know if you know what marbles is, though. A bit like a game where you flick the pog and then you can win the other. I don't know. I didn't pay attention, Diane, to the rules. Sorry, G. Sorry, DK. Uh, but so everybody played pogs, too. Uh, but uh, so it was fun. We said, yeah, like, uh, and then we could, G and DK kind of brought up the party. And like, basically, uh, then Hillary started telling us this story in the like the broadest of terms and but the most direct way because Hillary said Jesus seems like your party's just missing one thing from being uh, like the party you're talking about 
And Hillary told this long story, which I'll just try to get to, like, uh, uh, once upon a time, you know, there was, uh, uh, like, uh, there was the towns, and there was the idea of free samples and uh, uh, free food, and that it was always this thing fraught. uh, And then the party planning was always based on, geez, how much food could we have in that? And Hillary said, there was also, once upon a time... Uh, never an official club, but people that loved the shopping malls of the 70s and 80s, uh, people that maybe their parents or their grandparents uh, or their friends were mall walkers, which kind of took a while to describe. And I said, hey, this sounds familiar to me. But they said, you know, that people that like to walk the shopping mall because it used to be the place to go. And then we would sit around and we would talk about it. And then we'd talk about, well, these plazas are kind of like a shopping mall. We would even, this was like an unofficial club. They would go to the last few shopping malls. But they it was a nostalgic experience because they said, well, it's not as good as it once was. And then they said they would go through and then they started having little parties, dinner parties, with each course based on, uh, like, their favorite things at the mall, even if it was not a store. Like, say, well, it's a bookstore. Well, this is a book cake or whatever. And eventually, one of the things they always, the biggest hit at the, any one of these parties, because one of the things they always liked was this place called Hickory Farms, Diane, which was a shop in the mall that I think still, well, here's what we'll get to it, uh, still exists uh, where they would sell, you could get samples. They sold cheese and crackers, like uh, party foods. And it was always, like, everyone wondered how it stayed in business because it's like, well, how many parties do people have? How much summer sausage does someone need? And it was also a catalog business. And one of the people, like, uh, that had the party, like, bought all this Hickory Farms thing and not only that, uh, Diane, like as they talked about Hickory Farms, they realized how much they appreciated it. And it was still a corporation and such things. And they said, uh, like, but they weren't doing great. And they said, well, we want to save the Hickory Farms company. And Hickory Farms said, well, we don't know. And they said, well, we have an idea. Like, haven't you heard, don't you know what kids do today? They, instead of fad, fads have been replaced by going viral. And Hickory Farms said, oh, no, we don't change. And they said, well, the shopping malls are gone. How do you recreate the experience uh, that caused you to somehow barely be in business in the 80s or the 70s? Uh, and they said, well, we don't know. And, and we said, well, we have a test. We'll run it to town. All you got to do is give us food. And we think you should become a subscription-based box business like these other, like uh, the great uh, – Dinner box business, that's for Sleep With Me podcast, Green Chef. But they said, you know, there's meat, but, you know, there's all sorts of box businesses now. And you pay a certain amount, and then you get a box every month. They said, we're going to take that box-based business, we're going to mix it with, uh, like, a party, like a Tupperware party, like a like a hubba-hubba-hubba party, you know, that people have nowadays. And uh, we'll... Uh, We'll have these parties, the Hickory Hangout parties. We'll we'll call ourselves the Hickory Hangout. 
And at the end of the party, any of the invite will invite guests and will have free guests that are the ones we're teasing into it. But you'll have opportunity to become a subscriber to the Hickory Farms monthly box service. And then you'll get it every month. Uh, and the, the company said, we're not interested. So basically this group, uh, Hillary said, once upon a time in imaginary land, because, you know, I'm just using this company as an example. It's not actually the company we did it with. Though she said, we are called the Hickory Hangout. Uh, but she said, uh, we made our own subscription boxes, uh, you know, because we said, well, we'll just do it locally. And then that'll be how we pay for the party. And then we'll buy the, you know, we'll make, build our own boxes. If you subscribe, you know, if you prepay for an annual subscription, you become a member of the Hickory Hangout. It's also a secret fun club. And, you know, we could also, maybe Hillary said, maybe it could be, you know, if you three could keep a secret and Gene DK said three. And Hillary said, well, Aunt Penny's listening in the other room. And they said, oh, well, no, she's, that's just, uh, she sleeps with her eyes open sometimes. And they said, oh, she, Hillary said, great, well, us too. She said, I can't invite you to a party, but maybe we could have our own little pog, Hickory Hangout pog party. But yeah, and so G and D K said, "Wait a second. So this was like a a faux viral marketing party, based in a bath of nostalgia." And Hillary said, "Possibly once upon a time it was." Uh, and G and D K said, "Well, you just got to roll with it, I guess." And they said, "Well, could we just get an invite for our, you know, basically, you know?" And Hillary said, "Done." For these Hasselhoff pogs, it'll be worth it. Also, we'll have a Hickory Hangout pog party for sure, and they I think they're going to. But that case actually, actually uh, was more thawed than cracked, Diane. But, uh, if, Diane, if you ever need to, to catch a party plan or plan a party pop-up, you know, that, Diane. All right, thanks and good night.